Welcome to the Dad Work Podcast. Today's guest is Simon Kodak. We talk exclusively about the father wound. And I was expecting to go into a lot more, but it turns out that there was just so much there uh, that we we just kept going. And I think this is a super important topic for fathers as you'll get to see in a moment, the father wound is something that we all carry. And yet as fathers, we must therefore be the ones also inflicting this wound onto our child or our children. And so what does that look like? What does it look like to heal from that and to provide your children with the tools they need to heal from that? We go into what the father wound is, how it might play out in your life and how to heal from that, as well as the importance of coaching and mentors and men's groups. Simon Kodak is a men's coach whose focus is on helping men reach their potential in the world. His work draws upon Jungian psychology, mythopoetic men's work, and transpersonal philosophy. He's committed to helping men heal their relationships and move forward in their lives. So with that being said, this is a very important topic, a very important thing that most men need to work on to heal, to become better dads. Let's jump in and talk about the father wound. Here we go. Just a quick note before we get into the conversation with Simon, there is a little bit of feedback on this audio. And so I just want to warn you with that. It is certainly listenable and I highly recommend you do so because this is one of the most important topics. And in fact, one of the most popular episodes we have done so far, but I want to give you the heads up in case that is an issue for you, but please try and go through it. Simon drops a lot of knowledge bombs here. This is a very important topic for men and uh, especially men with children. So with that being said, we'll jump in right now. All right, Simon, welcome to the Dad Work Podcast. I'm very excited to have you on. I have used you as a coach in the past, and I know how much wisdom you have for our dads. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Kurt. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to have you. And the, the first thing that I want to do is, for men without children... Um, I like to ask them on the podcast to share a little bit about the story that they have with their father. And in some cases, that's a favorite story uh, they have with the father. And in some cases, it's simply uh, a bit of a father share. As I know, you are aware we do this in men's group and share the story of our father. And without it being perhaps maybe as long as we would do in men's work, uh, in men's group, I'd love for you to give just the the Coles note version of your relationship or lack thereof with your father so that we can sort of connect you as a son to the men listening who might be fathers themselves to give a perspective that I think is very important and very powerful from your, from your share. So uh, would you just walk us through your relationship if you had one with your father and what that looks like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's, you know, there's three main figures uh, I have to talk about here. Um, uh, so the first being, you know, the story that I, that I shared in men's group, uh, that was so impactful on me, uh, about six years ago now was the story of the missing father. So, um, my father was, was, uh, radically missing in my life from day one. Uh, uh, my mother conceived me, uh, she flew back to Ontario with her parents, I guess it was in 1982, around the summer. And conceived me with my father. Um, and my father from day one completely denied that that's not my kid. Um, you know, complete, complete denial, you know, um, sort of like, uh, you know, like the Jerry Springer episodes come to mind where, you know, but, but anyways, you know, didn't, didn't want anything to do with me. And he was a U.S. citizen, um, cause he had dual citizenship. So, uh, he lived in, uh, Minneapolis. At the time, so, um, so I came back to, or my mom came back to, uh, Vancouver had me, um, so really, uh, no male figure around, um, at a very young age, um, I knew that he was radically missing. And my family, like my mother and my grandparents, they didn't tell me any really mistruths about that situation. They were, to their credit, Completely honest about it, um, which was um, hard in one sense. But looking back on it now, I think it was uh, a really important uh, developing development point for me in my character, um, being you know uh, sort of tied to the truth always. Um, but um, so 
you know, long story short, with, with, with uh, my missing father is, uh, uh, I tried to uh, contact him in 2006, 2007. So, you know, I would have been early, early 20s, uh, mid to early 20s. And uh, uh, I found him on Facebook, uh, out of obsessed with message. Uh, he deleted his Facebook account. Um, and then um, that was the story that I, you know, I'd originally told him in this group. And, uh, you know, the, the, this is this uh, is, is a common story with many men. You know, many men don't don't know the fathers. Um, you know, the the I guess what makes my story um, stand out a bit is so my biological father's mother uh, would send me presents every year. So she completely accepted that I was part of the family and you know, legitimate uh, a legitimate uh, son, basically a grand grandson to her. Um, so, again, in my mind, you know, it, it, it kind of made the denial of my existence uh, all too real uh, in the sense of that, you know, even his own mother was, was accepting of me. Uh, so, which, I, which looking back, I think was also extremely important um, because I, I, I did in some sense have that um, connection, albeit through the grandmother to that side of the family. Uh, which I think, looking back, was um, extremely important. Um, but um, you know, my life, my life certainly wasn't easy uh, growing up as a kid and, and knowing that um, this man was radically missing, and but also at the same time holding the knowledge that he didn't, he consciously didn't want anything to do with me. But what that sort of engendered in me was uh, the ability to take the perspective uh, of others, I think, at a very young age. And I, I knew, part of me knew in my body at a very young age that it wasn't really about me, it was more about him. Um, but even despite knowing that intellectually, of course, I still, you know, had had what, what you know, we refer to as a father wound. And, um, uh, you know, it looked like Lashing out at uh, figures of authority that I need to be responsible or or, uh, or or not responsive or disengaging, um, that sort of thing, so on and so forth. Um, um, so, but the, the sort of uptick to that story was is that I did have a very strong connection with my grandfather, um, and he he showed up for me uh, as a fifty. 54 year old man, quite a powerful, powerful way, um, taking you to hot practices, uh, you know, letting me follow him around the, the workshop and build stuff with him and, and you know, fix, fix, <laughs> fix the problems around the house and, 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 and that sort of thing. Um, so that was really important in my formative years. Um, and I have some stories about him, you know, that I can perhaps tell later on that actually have to do with uh, the sort of uh, topic that you prompted me with uh, in the beginning, the wounding between fathers and sons. Uh, um, and then the third figure uh, I, have to, I have to touch on briefly is, is my stepfather, um, who married my mother when I was 11. And so I had that classic kind of... Um, you're not my real dad, uh, type of, uh, you know, animosity going on with him. And I, and, and, um, but also at the same time, we did have a good relationship. And, and I know, I knew on a core level that he did really love me and that he, uh, did do his best. Um, but, you know, he was kind of a, a contrary figure to my grandfather because he wasn't very capable of his life. So he had a hard time holding down a job, uh, dealing with money, you know, the outer circumstances, like many things that we see in, in, in young men and adolescents, uh, that, that um, you know, you need, you need mentorship and guidance to, from a father or from another figure to sort of, uh, uh, get your, get your, uh, discipline to a place where you can, um, uh, 
uh, master these things. So, um, so yeah, I had I had that relationship with him, and um, but in, in many ways, I kind of had to sort of be the father or step up in ways like, you know, uh, just uh, energetically in a sense support the family, um, and then later on. Uh, in, in my twenties, actually monetarily supported them. Um, so that's uh, that's important um, because my bond with him, I think, you know, I couldn't I couldn't really blame him because he, you know, he had a, you know, a pretty harsh father in many ways and, and, and kind of a harsh life, and I also understood that in some on some level. So uh, that was also a great uh, relationship. Yeah, wow. Um, thank you for sharing that. I know that just, it brings to mind a lot of pain and sadness, obviously. Um, and I, I appreciate that you're so open with that because I think part of the reason why I wanted you to share that was to provide some perspective to any dads listening that like this is basically the worst end of the spectrum in terms of parenting that you could get to just to completely deny, not show up at all, and just not even accept that there's this human you brought into the world. And it's very sad. And so, you know, there being a, a parenting spectrum or continuum, not having had that father, one thing that came up for me is like, did you ever think there would be one thing from your biological father that would have made his absence almost almost make up for that? Like, would there have been a connection? Would there have been an apology? Would there have been any single thing that he could have done to make amends for that for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, uh, show, you know, showing up certainly, I mean, you know, in some way, um, uh, you know, in, in, in a certain sense, acknowledging, Acknowledging, like I, I, yeah, I don't particularly need him to, to to apologize or even really explain the past, but show up in, in, in a kind of present time way, whether that's you know a phone call or, or whatever, it's just being like, hey, you know, I acknowledge, I acknowledge this, and I acknowledge you know my side of it, and you know, I acknowledge your part in it. You know, just just the recognition being seen. Yes, no, and that's actually exactly what I was uh, going to pull from what you just said there is that desire as children to be seen. And that's so important to remember as fathers that that's really all the kids want. And as you shared that from your perspective of having had nothing and the first thing that comes to you is just to be seen, just to have this recognition, like that's very powerful, I think, for, for me as a dad and for anyone else listening. It's like if you can just show up with a little bit of presence it doesn't have to be all throughout the day. It doesn't have to be like hours at a time, just a few minutes of like, wow, hey, son, hey, daughter, I see you right now. Like, here's all of me. Um, so so thank you. Like, I am I feel energy in my body right now, like goosebumps um, just with that. So thank you so much. Um, and, and I guess like this is actually a perfect segue into what I wanted to have you on for, which is your expertise with this father wound. So could you explain what the father wound is for people who might not have understood when you said that before? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, quite simply, uh, you know, the father wound is a, is, a, is a broad general term that just refers to uh, the, the lack of love from the father, the lack of presence from the father in the household growing up, uh, or the perceived lack of presence or lack of love. Yeah, it's basically it, and, and and I know you know most people in some sense can identify with that. So that's why yeah, that, I, I use that term. That was going to be my my next question: is Does everyone have a father wound? Um, in some certainly in in, in an energetic sense, 
deaths are in a psychological sense. Um, you know, not not necessarily in, in the quite quite visible sense, like as in my case, um, uh, but certainly in a psychological sense. I think that um, every boy or young man at some point realizes that um, he does have to separate uh, or uh, in, become an individual separate from his father and his family system. And in in that process is. Uh, some innate form of, of wounding or pain uh, inherent in it because you're, you know, whether that's leaving to go to college or, you know, leaving to get your first job or moving out or, you know, really, like, working with your dad until you're 30 and then starting your own business, starting your own thing, it, it, you know, and it can come in many, uh, many different forms. Um, but I do think that that uh, does, occur, does occur in some way for most men. And sometimes it can be your father's death. And that's that's okay too, uh, you know. So I so I would say generally yes, that really does have some important. Right. Okay. That, that's what I've observed as well in my sort of limited capacity of noticing these things. It's not something I work with like like you do, but um, it could even be, it doesn't have to be this monumental, uh, you know, big T trauma. It could just be, like you say, a perceived slight or a lack or an abandonment, even uh, as a young child. And that can manifest in so many different ways. Um, and so uh, let's just work with the assumption that everyone's got, every man at least has this father wound. Um, this this thing from his father that was either hurtful to him or that he wanted from the father and didn't receive. Uh, because for me, that's a lot of it personally. There's a sense of abandonment. There's a sense of, well, why didn't he do X, Y, Z for me? Um, and it's this sort of lack of that has caused my own father wound. Um, and so what are some of the ways, like for guys out there who are going like, oh, I've never heard, thought about this before. How does it manifest typically? Or what, what are some of the ways it can manifest? Um, well, you know, uh, it's quite commonly, uh, you know, I, what, what I'll see is, uh, you know, whether it's through the best community or my own, uh, my own coaching practice, uh, is uh, lack, lack of self-esteem or lack lack of self-confidence. Um, being that, or the, or the overriding feeling of never, uh, being authorized. Like never being authorized fully in, in, in their work. Um, or who they are as a person. Um, so that feeling of not being fully accepted. Um, you know, uh, but it can also, it, you know, show up in, you know, in a myriad of different ways, you know, like show up as, as uh, even depression, right? It can show up as, uh, you know, like the unwillingness to try uh, or, or to say start something in your life for yourself. Um, I've seen that, you know, very commonly. Um, so, so yeah, I would say those are the two, like among men, I would say, um, the two kind of holes I, I describe are, are, uh, you know, an anomie or meaninglessness, sort of nihilism on, on one side of the extreme end, um, of the pole, and, and almost like a, a narcissism or a self-obsession, uh, on the other side of the pole. And, both both of those extremes on the spectrum, um, not always they, they can be caused by other things, but but quite often um, can be caused by uh, lack of effective mirroring mirroring the presence of the father in the household. You know um, whether that's you know oftentimes there's no there's no you know there's no you can't assign blame. It's just kind of what happened, right? Um, but that's what I, what I sort of see, and I see, uh, some men, uh, kind of, and you can also vacillate why between these poles, you know, like one day you're, you're kind of all hope, you're hopeless, there's no, there's no point in trying, I can't do it. Until the next day you're out and, and you're, you know, you're God's gift, uh, basically the world. Um, so that's most commonly how I see it showing up. Okay, thank you. And um, 
I like you said the lack of mirroring. And so what would it look like in that case? Because I think that's a very crucial point for fathers who are at home who are able to maybe do something. And and we'll get into why this is also important in a second, because um, it, it does help to have somewhere to do the work. Um, but maybe to talk about that mirroring for a bit, this is something that I see come up a lot in um, sort of respectful parenting, empathetic parenting is mirroring back to the child. And it's a good communication tactic in the first place. But but what is it about that mirroring that that you think almost uh, guards against this this wound, this uh, grandiosity or uh, or the, the opposite of that in, in the ego? Um, well, I, I could get a, you know, I could get a little bit tactical with my answer. Um, uh, sure. Um, so, you know, when, when, when we're very young, uh, you know, our brains are very plastic and moldable, you know, it's why, you know, like I, I'm sure you've seen your kids and I, and I see it my, you know, nieces and nephews, just this amazing amount of progress over a short period of time. Like I see them shortly after they're born and then two years later, they're, they're, so they're beginning to speak sentences in English, right? And and you're just you're like, wow, my mind is like your mind is blown in a sense. And like, you know, I think every parent and and, and most people have had that experience, child, you know, because they picked up all the stuff. They're walking, they're running, they're using tools, you know, um, um, and that's you know that's necessary for evolution and, and to learn language and, and to adapt to society, and that's. And that's that's a great that's that's a great thing about human beings, you know. But sort of the dark side of that is when when we are developing, we're we're so sensitive to our environment. We're so sensitive to our environment, and it's why you know it's a superpower on one hand in that human beings, and you look, we can adapt to any environment. You know, whether it's living in the Arctic, the only place humans don't live is Antarctica. We live in every other. Um, so we have this incredible neuroplasticity um, and, and long developmental period in order so that we can effectively adapt to our environment. So in, in, in modern life, you know, call it the atomic family, that that is kind of um, the genesis of our wounding with, with a parent or sibling or whatever, because we're so attuned to the caregiver that anything, any any small thing they do is, is literally going to be imprinted upon our consciousness and, upon, and on our being. So it's such a it's such a critical time, and it's such a um, you know, and depending on the child, uh, some children are more sensitive than others. You know, and they're just naturally in their constitution. Some children, when they don't, when, when the presence of, of one or both parents isn't there, you know, or the parents are, you know, maybe they're working too much, maybe um, they're fighting in their relationship, maybe there's a bit of unresolved anger in the household, depression. The child effectively uh, absorbs that, but not in an intellectual way. They actually absorb it into the nervous system, into the being. And often in later life, then once the, our brains mature, or you know, sort of fancy terms, once our metacognitive structures sort of become more concrete, that initial imprinting becomes a worldview or an ideology, and that's how it shows up as, oh, it's it's pointless. No matter what I do, any job I get, I'm never going to be. As good as my dad, or as good as my mother, or whatever, my grand, whoever, right? Um, and that that understanding is, is sort of crucial, I think, for parents, especially fathers, uh, to have. And 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 what, of course, why I why I you know even driven to learn all of this stuff because that that was me, right? Like I was always when I was a kid, super sensitive to my environment. I was always scanning. What was going on? Learning, you know. Um, so, so yeah. I hope that, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, it's. Um, I'm glad that you went there because I think that like covers that covers everything around um, what I was getting at. 
which is um, both the environment and then there's like the reflection back to the child. And it's almost like, it's almost like in seeing himself or herself reflected by the parent in a way that's not reactive, but that is uh, validating, it can help to build almost healthy shame in a way because the child learns the boundaries. They see how they present in the world um, and in an environment where everything is, as you say, basically becoming a worldview to then get that feedback from the mirroring uh, within their environment that's going to then set them up later, um, I think is key. And to do that without shame, which is a huge thing for me, especially to learn what it looks like to do that without shame, which is like, oh, hey, when you do this or when this happens, I feel whatever, whatever my feeling is, I'd like, I need this. So, so you know, we can bring nonviolent communication into it. Um, and then, you know, what I'm asking for is this rather than like, wow, you are, you're rude, you're a jerk, you're whatever. And the kid then internalizes that. So um, there's, there's lots to dig into there, but uh, we'll, we'll sort of place that to the side for now. And um, going back to the father wound, what I want to go into next is like, okay, let's just, we're going to set the stage a little bit here. It's important to know where to do the excavation when it comes to our psyches and our healing journeys so that we can then perhaps target our healing methodologies or our insights or whatever we're going to be doing to maybe work on these things. So assuming that we have all recognized this, assuming we've then done the work to journal, to meditate, to maybe get feedback from men, to identify this father wound or share it amongst men like you did, how do we, how do we fix this? Like this manifests in such a deep way for so many of us. Like, what do you do if you're like, oh my God, this is exactly what my problem is. It's my dad. Ah, and you start to curse him and all the rest. So like, what does the progression look like from realization to, to maybe not fixing it, but to uh, making it whole within yourself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah, well, you can just hire yeah. Simon uh, yeah. because this yeah. is his expertise, but, but give us the, uh, the 30,000 foot view. Um, well, I think, you, you know, even, even right now, what you're doing is bringing vital awareness uh, to these topics because, you know, we, we, and I'm sure, you know, in our men's community, in our men's groups, in our brotherhood, and I'm sure you've experienced this, you know, we've seen men, many men come in, including myself, and, and, and I'm sure you include yourself in this category, with, um, you know, one of these, say, father wound symptoms, you know, whether that's lack of self-confidence, um, or whether that's, you know, fearing your own power, or fearing the power of others in the world, or Peter Pan syndrome, which is not basically not growing up, you know, being a boy, you know, well into your adult life when it's no longer appropriate or, you know, act, acting like a boy and treating other people, you know, inappropriately and so on and so forth. Um, so I think the, fir- the first step is really uh, owning, owning the ways that um, you or an individual may not be uh, fully complete their uh, growth and maturity, um, just fully owning it and, and or fully becoming aware of it. And I think to fully become aware of it, even as an adult, you as a man, you need that mirroring. So you need other men in your life, um, uh, which is why I'm such an advocate of men's group and men's community. Because you need you need that energy from other men, that reflective energy, to to effectively see how you're showing up. And you know, I lead I lead two men's groups, um, and it's a, it's an integral part of my life um, because I I always know there's there's a part of uh, my psyche, there's a part of my mind that wants to pull me back always into that childhood place, into that regressive place. Where um, I don't really believe that other men are going to show up for me, and it's that pull is so strong uh, that 
you know, even for me missing a week, you know, like I have, I have work or I have another seminar or something, and I, I let my lieutenant leave my group. I noticed that in me energetically rising, rising up that, that belief again, like, oh, no one's, you know, maybe no one in the group really likes you, you know, maybe they're just there for, you know, their own instrumental reasons. And, you know, so, and, you know, obviously I'm a bit of a, I may be a fringe case, but I think that's a pretty common experience for most men. Um, at least from my experience, from what I can tell is, uh, you know, most men in some sense struggle with that on some level. And a good kind of story about that is, and this has happened a couple times in my, in my men's groups is a guy will be leaving and we'll do a departure ceremony. Part of that departure ceremony is sharing gratitude that man and and he's sitting there at the end of the meeting and his eyes are, are, are wide open and you know another man asks him, asks him like, how are you feeling and they're like oh well I never knew you guys cared about me this much and this is sometimes after being in the group for six months a year year and a half two years um, you know so I think really uh, exploring and, and, and getting in touch with that that side of our self as men, which is which is a very painful part, you know, under, you know understandably for most men, and, and, and a lot of men don't want to go there, right? Um, so I think you know men's groups is, are such a such a key part of that for me personally, um, supporting men, um, but then also individual. Therapy, uh, one-on-one, other one-on-one group work, uh, you know, even coaching to a certain extent, um, can also be, uh, a, re- a sort of remedy for this, uh, you know, this much larger, much larger problem that you identified. Yeah, thank you. So, it sounds like uh, ownership and awareness are sort of the two first things, just identifying like, yep, this is tr- my truth. Um, sharing that with other men, like this is part of, um, I put together these principles, fundamentals of uh, conscious fatherhood. And one of them is to connect deeply with good men. And I was just talking on, uh, I think the last episode with Steve Parr about how important it was to just have this connection with men. And this is yet another reason why, whether it's going deeper with your existing friends or joining a men's group, that this is so vital because when was the last time you were asked to share the story of your father at all? Never mind amongst other men, and never mind then being prodded into being asked about how you feel about that. Like that is, as you said, it's so scary. <laughs> it is so scary for a lot of men. And that's why uh, sometimes it takes reminding men that like this is courageous work. This is the work that strong men do. So if you think, oh, I'm a strong guy, I don't need to do this. Like, no, you you do need to do this simply uh, precisely because you are strong, you are courageous and you can handle it. And I think that's a good reminder to people like this is so important because in, in working through these, I have, uh, and I, I think you've expressed as well, like come to wholeness, to peace with that part of ourselves so that the shadow stops lashing out. And, and I think perhaps we'll get to the shadow work uh, momentarily. But the thing that I have been thinking, and I, I'm, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about this, is as fathers, <laughs> knowing what we know now, I think that I see myself delivering father wounds on my sons. And for me, knowing what I know, I feel both fortunate and terrified. Because on the one hand, I'm going like, oh, great. Now I know about this. Now I can see what's happening to them. And like, wow, what am I going to do? Like I see every single time I add to it. And on the other hand, I'm like, well, at least I know because then maybe I can help them through it. So is there anything that comes to you? Because I've got a couple thoughts on this, but is there anything that comes to you for fathers to maybe leave less of a deep gash in the psyche of sons and daughters. Uh, and I think you've probably covered a lot of it already just with mirroring and showing up and doing your own work. But like, how can I, as a dad, knowing that I'm causing these wounds, be okay with it and then perhaps minimize the effects? Um, 
Well, I think it, I think it's you know a matter of, of you know minimizing the negative effects, um, but there are there are positive effects of, uh, of a father wound, which of course is the, the healthy side of male initiation involves separation uh, from the from the father and the family system, and that's the healthy side. Um, the negative side is, of course, what you touched on already: the shame. You know, uh, being wrong, like there's something fundamentally wrong with my being. So I think, you know, you already sort of mentioned being conscious about how you're speaking to your children. But of course, you know, like the old golden rule of, of relationships is you can only, the level of consciousness in the relationship can only, um, is, is, is only going to be what, what each party is bringing to it. So when it's a, when it's a father son and your sons too, it's really heavily dependent upon your consciousness, uh, mainly because uh, it, you know you're, you're you're a developed adult. So so like you mentioned, doing your own work, making sure you're supported as a man, uh, that you're healthy as a man, uh, or as healthy as you can be. Um, that, that community piece is so important uh, to sort of mitigate the negative sides of, of, of what you may be unaware that you're putting on your children. Um, so even, you know, that could be, any, that could really be anything, like the anxiety that you have about your, your job, you know, it, it, it could be, it, you know, uh, unresolved anger in the relationship, or even unresolved anger in, in the relationship with your father, right, or grandfather. So just, again, the awareness, um, and that's kind of the negative side of things. Uh, the positive side, uh, I, can, I can speak to that a little bit. You know, Please. Story. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think, so I think, um, at least for me, there was something very extremely nourishing about the relationship with my grandfather in terms of my masculine development. That, um, you know, probably, probably today, you know, I'll tell this story. Um, today, this is a different time, but, but today this, this, you know, he would have been maybe seen as irresponsible and, 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 it, and certainly he was in certain ways, right? But so when I was two and a half, it was one of my earliest memories, but when I was two and a half, they had a farm back in Ontario. There's this giant swamp. And my grandfather was, he, 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 had a, he had a drinking problem. So he would, he would drink beer while he was like working on the house and stuff. So by like, you know, six, seven o'clock, he often drunk. Uh, not all the time, but. So, uh, I think my mom and grandmother went, went into town to go do something, to go shopping, whatever. My grandfather was like, you want to go for a canoe ride? I'm like, oh, I'm like, hell yeah, you know, and, and I was like two and a half. So he takes me to the canoe and we're out like paddling in the swamp. But he's, you know, he's drunk, he's tipsy, so he's not fully, um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I forget what happened, but I think, you know, it's, there was something in a tree and he almost like stood up with like the canoe to go and reach, reach something in a tree and it, it flipped the, Flip the canoe, and I remember falling to the bottom, like of this dark, dirty water. And um, but but then I remember I also remember him grabbing me. So I don't think the water was over his head. Um, and I remember him grabbing me and like holding me above his head. And I was all like just gross and filthy. And my grandmother, to kind of see all this go out, like as she'd arrived, she see this going on from the house, and she comes running out, and she's. She's just laying into him, like, just screaming at him, like, full on, like, 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 terror, like, like, it's like, I remember her level of anger and, and me actually being more scared of, of her, um, because I felt safe with my grandfather at that moment, even though he was being irresponsible and he was, he was, you know, being a bit of an idiot. Um, but then I remember him laughing. Like, I remember his laughter. But he's laughing at her, and she's getting more and more angry. And she was like, you... She was like, 
she, and, and you know, you know, Mama Bear, she like laid down the law. She's like, you, she's, she's like, you come out of there right now and shower up and clean up and like, or else, like, lay down a pretty stern threat. Um, but you know, I, I, I remember that moment always because I, I remember how say how much I wanted to be with him and how safe I felt. You know, even though it wasn't, you know, necessarily a. Uh, he wasn't necessarily a uh, you know a perfect example, but that that was kind of a you know a beautiful moment of, of just uh, to like a grandfather and a, and a grandson being together, you know. And, and but I think, but also kind of what I what I what I learned from that is that sometimes men do unsafe things together, and and. And when you look at sort of dangerous jobs, oftentimes they're done by men, and and, and that's the kind of instruction that I was uh, almost in a, in a, I guess call it an unconscious or not a, or sort of a, more of an implicit. That's kind of the message I was getting there. That sometimes you go out and you have to get dirty, um, and that's okay. So that would be what I'd call, um, you know, the positive. Or healthy side of of the wounding um, that you know often occurs in the father son relationship. Amazing. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I'm just <laughs> imagining him laughing with you above his head, uh, and such a such a story for the the nervous system to take in and like feeling safety. And that's such an important reminder that it's all about how our kids feel. It's all about the perceived what's going on. It's not necessarily about, well, I said this, you know, as a father, well, I said this and that should have been the right thing. Well, was your kid feeling safe? And it it could seem, I think this is a great way to illustrate that it's not always as obvious as, well, you know, I would never have taken him out in that boat. So therefore he must feel safe with me. It's like, you felt safe with your grandfather, even though, you know, it was quite perilous because of the connection and probably because of his nervous system and all these things that you picked up from that. That's a a wonderful lesson to us as fathers to remember that it's often the feeling and nothing more. Um, So I I just want to sort of close up the, the father wound part by, first of all, suggesting that as men, uh, as fathers, you don't need to feel bad about it. Um, if you're doing the work, if you're aware of it, that is so much farther along than any of our fathers. <laughs> you know, I, I come to group. So I used to come to group so often and share stories about how I was doing it wrong. And they're like, would your father have ever even come into this room and talk about what you're talking about? And the answer is clearly no. And so even to be aware that this is what's happening and to continue working on your own mindfulness, your own practice, and doing your own father work in the men's work circles that you find yourself in is a huge plus and it will be dirty, it will be painful, and there's hope at the end of the tunnel. And the final thing I'll say on this is that I'm just excited that um, whereas my story and your story, we had to both uh, find what the wound was and then build the tools to uncover it and then use those tools to try and fix it. I'm hoping that with my parenting, with my uh, connection with my kids, that I will provide them the wound and I'll provide them with the tools to figure out what to do with it later. And so it's not my work to do. It's totally their work to do, but at least they'll be like, oh yeah, dad used to meditate or oh yeah, dad was in a men's group or oh yeah, dad journaled. So there's all of these things I think we as fathers can give to our children as gifts to deal with the inevitability that we will give them a father wound themselves. So that's my last thing on father wounds. I think, is there anything that we should cover um, on that before we move on? Um, yeah, well, I guess one sort of, um, metaphor, um, uh, I can, I can, I can give for that. It comes from Jane Paulus, who's a, a Jungian, uh, psycho, psychoanalyst is, you know, energetically we have a masculine and feminine side and, and, you know, the father, we kind of get a booster cable that charges up the masculine side and for the mother, we get the booster cable that charges up the feminine side. And. I like that metaphor because it's like you, you know, you as a man, you know, because I know you were friends, you show up in such a good way that no matter what happens between 
you and your kids, I know that in some sense they're going to be really in a good place to figure it out. But it's also accepting that maybe they might not, or maybe their journey may be different than yours. It may be rougher. It may be, you know, but that you, you sort of charged up their heart the best that you could. Right. And, and that's how, that's what I look at men's group is, is like, we're going and, and we're charging up each other's hearts in that way. And in that sense, we've sort of, we've done our best and, and, and everything else outside of that is really the details. Wow. Super powerful. I love that, actually. Um, I'm just going through all the ways in my own life that I that I see that being true. Um, and you know what? We I'm actually really happy with this because we went through a lot deeper into the father wound than I was even expecting. I don't think we'll get to any of these other things. It would maybe be great to chat about it another, another time. But with the time we do have left, um, could you just give us a little bit of insight into your own practice? And I mean, obviously I'll tell people where to find you and, you know, it's not like a shameless plug or whatever, because I'm, I'm asking for it, but, but what is it in the work that you do that maybe, how can, how can we finish this off? What's What's one thing from the work that you do, uh, in helping men find purpose? And I love the quote. I'm just going to drop the quote here, whether or not you run with it. Inner peace is the new success. I love that quote. And so maybe just give us like the two minutes uh, of working with Simon that you think could help for fathers doing this work um, or any just final thoughts on on this topic uh, before we wrap it up. Uh, yeah, well, uh, well, I have to, I sort of have to out myself here a little bit. That quote, you're, you know, your co-captain Jason is actually the one that put that quote on my website. <laughs> okay, I did, well, I'll, I'll hit on Cena. <laughs> I, 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 I did agree with it, and I was like, yeah, it's very good, Jason, right? Um, so I, 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 you know, I, feel like I have to, I just have to be 100% transparent here. But um, I do agree with it, and, um, you know, I think, <laughs> you know, your experience that you touched on a little bit, and my experience, walking into Benchburg is we were in some sense we're similar because we're both highly capable men and, and we're both able to figure a lot of stuff out in life from from not having uh, say direct mentorship so what I what I mean by that is um, I've had clients and, and this is sort of the difference can be the difference between therapy or counseling and, and coaching is that with coaching, we work from the outside in, um, and therapy's just primarily inside out. So, in, in, in coaching, um, oftentimes, like you said, men, men have come to me and they've been like, oh, I think I have a father wound. Um, and I can, because I've, I've walked some of the way on that path, I can directly mentor them. Um, you know, in, in, in whatever way, whether that's one session or multiple sessions, whatever, even an email. Um, so I think um, giving men the permission to seek out that direct mentoring um, in an area of life that's not necessarily um, like a practical physical area of life, um, that's more of a, a you know, metaphysical, spiritual dimension of life, which is, uh, you know, healing, healing with men. Um, so that's, that's primarily what I do. I would say is I can, I can, um, I help men sort of, I would say, may, may make sense of their situation, which is step one, make sense. And then step two, I would say is, uh, acceptance. Um, and then there's healing that often comes with that and then direct them mentorship. Amazing. Okay. And yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll probably wrap it up in a sec, but I think what that shows is, um, it's so important for guys to be doing any type of work and you just listed, you know, men's work, therapy, coaching. Uh, there are so many avenues around and like most of the point of the show in this project is to just like 
broaden the view of the other man, the other dads out there who might not even know that this is a thing. And, you know, samurai's getting big, but we're only at like 500 men compared to all the men who need it. We're still, you know, a few billion short. <laughs> and so, so getting this out and um, having people like you to talk to and work this through, it's amazing that people are willing to spend on making more money or getting a new job or whatever. And the thing that is like most troubling, the thing that brings most problems in their lives, they don't even know they have a problem. So like... You know, spending a few hundred bucks, a few thousand dollars on coaching, mentorship, maybe it's not like you say a direct physical, like whatever you get the more money when you finish this program, but like what is a better life worth? What is not suffering so much worth? What is like not screaming at your kids worth? Like I think that should be worth, you know, tens and tens times what's making a little bit more money would be worth in, in a professional setting. So I'm glad that you do this work. Uh, like I said, I've had sessions with you, uh, even working through my own leadership, which have helped tremendously. And so where can people find out more about you? Uh, my website, which is uh, simonconiccoaching.com uh, or my Instagram at uh, sconic. There's a, there's a, my email is on my website and also on my, on my Instagram. So any, any connecting through me there, any, any of those ways is possible. There's also links to like my articles and, and uh, you know, schedule things for, for, uh, discovery calls. I do, I do do free discovery calls with men. Um, so, you know, I, I, where I actually block off an hour, two hours and I'll just talk to the guy. So, mm, uh, and hear his, hear his story. So. Powerful resource. Okay, Simon, thank you so much. I am super pumped for how this turns out, and I think a lot of dads will have benefited. So thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thank you again, Kirk. And uh, yeah, no, I, I would love to come on again. And uh, you know, just keep, keep up the good work. All right, man. Thank you. Okay, men. So what part of this resonates most with you? What work do you need to do to identify, recognize, and accept, and eventually heal your own father wound? And how does this change how you interact with your children? There's a lot of work to be done, and there are a lot of good places to start in this conversation. Like always, if you enjoyed this, please follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple iTunes. And also feel free to leave a review on iTunes if you got value out of this. You can find show notes and everything else that you'll need to follow, leave a review, and learn more. And to work with us at dad.work slash pod. That's D-A-D dot W-O-R-K slash P-O-D. Type that into your internet browser and you'll find all the details you need. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. This is Kurt Storing saying thank you and goodbye.